0: Hey fam, it has been a minute since I have dropped a podcast and it's because since I got back from ayahuasca, I've just been all the way into work responsibilities for the last six weeks. It's been a lot. And honestly, I'm looking forward to these holiday days and I can kind of slow down and get back into my body and think about, you know, the life I'm trying to create and be proactive instead of reactive. But for this podcast, um, we're actually going to repost the interview that I did with Kyle Kingsbury on his podcast, where I talked about my ayahuasca experience because I think it's the best place that I tell this story. And you know, it it changed my life. And so, of course, it's got to be an episode. So we're not gonna add much fluff to this intro. Just know that I love you and that I appreciate you listening. And that, if you would like to help the podcast, the most direct way that you can do that is to go on iTunes and leave a rating and a review, and to share this episode with somebody you love. I hope you guys enjoy. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Namaste. Eric Clapton. Hey, that's, hey. That, that's how you start a podcast.
1: I got to pay homage <laughs> to my man, Godzi. Uh, All right. You're back on the show. We just did a well, recording on the day that it released on the Aubrey Marcus podcast with me, you, Caitlin Howe, and obviously Aubrey. And we share, uh, what do we
0: share? We shared our- The hardest moment from the past year, um, the highest moment from the past year, and the most transformative moment. That's right. The most transformative experience.
1: And that was a hell of a podcast because I've, I've never. I've never been a part, first of all, I've done a lot of like three people and up podcasts. You well, know, maybe, I don't I wouldn't say a lot. I've done a handful of, of three people and up podcasts. And it seems like the more people there are, the less deep it goes right. because everyone has a finite, finite amount of time. And um, that was for sure the most unique podcast I've ever done because there was four of us. Obviously, same. we're all close to each other. We all work very close with one another and we're all kind of doing the same Similar things, similar for sure. activities for personal growth. Yeah. But I've never, I mean, I've cried on podcasts. <laughs> I've never seen four people cry yeah, pretty man. much continuously. <laughs> like the entire two hours. Yeah. And we weren't like a snotty mess, thankfully. We you know, we could keep our shit together, but like yeah. we just couldn't keep the tears back. No. All four of us, the entire fucking podcast. Yeah. It was glorious, man. That was a fucking really special experience.
0: Yeah, man. I think a big part of it was the questions that Aubrey asked, but- <clears throat> the moment one person went deep because we all know how to be in that place they like it gave everyone permission and we all just went all the way right away the entire time and yeah it truly feels like at least personally it was the most uh, rewarding and powerful podcast i've ever been a part of yeah it was special for sure brother well if you heard
1: that one uh well if you haven't heard it by now fucking listen to it we'll link to it in the show notes and then uh for us, we're this is gonna be the deeper dive yeah. into your recent experience, your first ayahuasca experience yeah, man. at Soltara. Yeah, and you come back with a ton of medicine. Um, I I had I had a couple different ideas on how I wanted to do this to frame it, but yeah, so I'll just give you my two ideas and then I'll let you run with it. Cool. So the one idea would be to at least something I want to cover is where you were at, and you can trickle this in however you want where you were at as a person in your understanding of consciousness and your understanding of how you framed the world, you know, being a Jungian analyst, having a psychology background, um, and really being fantastic at that, really being fantastic at understanding the human psyche. You're brilliant. Thank you, man. And to now, obviously, Getting a real taste <laughs> of what the spirit world, yeah, dude, can offer. Uh, so I want to, I want to have that as a, as a theme, you know, at least in it. But I also want to give you the space um, to just take us through the whole experience, and yeah. however long it goes, it goes. For I'm not sure. worried about time. Um, so you know, at Soltara, you have Vomitivo on day one, yeah. and uh, that's you know kind of the icebreaker for yeah. everyone to purge in front of one another. It's also very cleaning and cleansing and then you drop in Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday off, Thursday night, Friday night. So four ayahuasca experiences while you're there. Yeah, in five days. Yeah, and I want you to just just get in it, take it however you want, for and sure, you'll hear man. me chime in from time to time. Beautiful. I want you to just fucking go deep on it.
0: Yeah. Um. So first, thank you for having me on, and thank you for being the person that was the biggest advocate for going to Soltara. Like, the way you came back and the way that you talked about it, especially because you've had as many experiences as you've had, it made it so clear to me, like, I'm going to go there. Um, and as I tell the four knights, my new conception of the of what the universe is will come out like it's completely changed, like fundamentally has changed. And I've always been the one in the office when people are talking about like the spirit world and all this stuff, I always come at it like a rationalist, I'm like here's how I think it might work. And all you guys were very uh, patient with me, just like this motherfucker does, does not know. Um, <laughs> And yeah, so that's all changed. Yeah, so. I think
1: I think on that note, if I can jump in for a second, you've you've had a lot of experience with LSD and psilocybin, and I think you know, as I mentioned to you before, at different stages of your development, you will get granted the access for sure that takes you deeper. That's exactly right. What it felt and, like. and for me, it was the same way. I had experience with psilocybin in a very ceremonial way on native land with my old coach and uh, Maestro Huitzi and but the second i started working with ayahuasca it just took me layers yep. deeper and then from there going back to psilocybin especially working with penis envy i'm able to still get back connect to and get to that really deep spot that ayahuasca provided for me initially um, it's one of those things you know where where you know as you were talking about um, the way you might word things differently as i'm trying to explain <laughs> it in my terms <laughs> and then you have a different way of explaining it
0: yeah
1: is is totally okay and the mm-hmm. reason for that is you can't gift someone that download. It has to be a firsthand experience. It has
0: to be experienced. It has to be. It can't be read in a book. Yeah, brother. Yeah, and I did a lot of book reading. So uh, to prepare for Aya, they give you the regular dieta, but I also had the intuitive download to stop reading. So I read, you know, like an hour to two hours every day about psychology. And there was this part of me that was just like, clear out space, you don't need to read. You're about to go to school. So fucking relax. So for the six weeks leading into doing ayahuasca, I started the dieta pretty early. You know, there is some woke bro energy here. And I heard, you know, other people starting like four weeks out and five weeks out. So it's like, I have to start six weeks out. <laughs> and um, I slowly ramped up the physical dieta, but I started the information dieta about six weeks out and I stopped reading. And the first big thing that kind of happened to set the stage for the ayahuasca experiences is the flight there was an international flight. And I had planned to like journal and meditate, but um, they had screens on the back of the seats and the seat was like eight inches from my face and you couldn't turn it off. And I was like, fuck, this is is a wrench in the plan. But I was like, oh, you know, there are no coincidences. Let me just see what is going on here. They had eight downloaded movies that you could watch during the flight. Um, so, uh, for my podcast, the myths that make us, one of my like core questions is what is the story that most resonated with you as a child? And I really think that that's an insight into the story that you unconsciously or consciously tell yourself about what your ego is and what you're doing in the world. And mine was a Lion King. Mm. And one of the eight movies that was of selection on the plane was the remade version of the Lion King, which I hadn't seen yet. The live action. Yeah, man. So good. So good. So i was like this is perfect like i haven't ingested almost any movie any tv show any book for six weeks so like there was ripe soil for this story to get in there so i watched it and um it was beautiful but the thing that i recognized is every scene with mufasa and simba i started weeping on the plane Mm. and i'm like shoulder to shoulder with this grown man who doesn't (laughs) speak english and i'm just (laughs) crying And um, I watched it twice because it was like a five-hour long flight. And after I watched it twice and the scenes continued to, you know, make your boy weep, I started journaling about like, what is going on here? And my big pre-AYA download, because like I'd never done ayahuasca before and I heard everyone's stories about like, you have no idea. Like you can try all day to try to prepare yourself, but you have no idea. So it really was like, I was about to walk off the cliff and there's this sense of like heightened um, cognitive processing because you know you're about to go meet potentially oblivion. And I think that that spurred me to have an insight being sober that I wouldn't have had if I wasn't as afraid as I was. And kind of the download that I got was, the truth is the boy that's inside of me did not get the father that he wished that he had had. And for 20 years, I basically just ignored the fact that this boy was like heartbroken because he didn't get the father that he knew boys could get. And um, seeing Mufasa teach Simba in this way of like, you're destined to be a king and I see you and I'm going to be the fatherly principle to help you become a king. Like I recognize that the inner boy in me deeply, deeply, deeply wish he had had that. And that a thing that I recognize, I kind of get made fun around the office for this sometimes, but I know I want to be a dad. And I know that kind of my highest personal spiritual aspiration is to be the type of father that my children will be proud of having had. And that's a huge guiding force in my personal development. And kind of the thing that I realized is what I'm trying to do professionally in the world with psychology is me trying to alchemize my mother wound she basically had severe depression while I was a kid. And I tried to heal it, you know, being, you know, the egocentric child that we all were. And I wasn't able to. And so now I feel like I'm trying to do that with culture. So that's how I'm alchemizing my mother wound. And all this personal work that I'm doing on myself to become the man that I know I want to be is me alchemizing that father wound that I felt like I had as a child. And I was mm. like, huh, that's really interesting. Like that was. The most clarity I've ever had about like the two stories that I'm living at the same time, and they're heavily influenced by my mother and my father wounding. Um, so I was like, noted. <laughs> um, day one at the beginning of the day, we do the vomitivo. I have no problem. I I drink the. I think it's lemongrass tea. Yeah, and had one big purge. Everyone clapped. I was like, that was easy, you know. Uh, Like, I I don't have a fear of vomiting in front of people. All my experiences with vomiting have basically been, I don't feel good, I vomit, I feel great. There's just not shame around it, so I was prepared to do that. Um, That first night, they give you a diagnostic dose. And I guess to kind of give people an idea of what the structure looks like, because it will come into play in the last ceremony, um, I drank with 21 other people, and you do it in this huge wooden circular building called a Maloka, and what's beautiful is this is like an this is a an architecture that's been tuned over generations by the people who've been working with ayahuasca and when you lay down and you look at the ceiling it looks like the archetypical mandala which is the worldwide symbol for representing god like the mandala is the symbol like there's a picture of it on the wall behind you and I don't think that that's an accident, you know, that the shape of the roof is a fucking mandala. But anyways, you're in this circular building made of wood and the 22 beds are lined up around the outer edge of the maloka, And then in the middle, there's like four seats slash thrones. Like when you're in the ayahuasca space, they look like fucking thrones in the middle of the room um, of the male and female maestro and maestra and then the male and female facilitator, which are like two um, non- shamans who have drank over a hundred times were really tapped in and two shamans have been brought up with this medicine since they were fucking like kids um so on the first night they give you a diagnostic dose and it's about 8 p.m when we start drinking and once everyone drinks their cup they blow out the lights it's pitch dark um but they give you like a small dose and my intention for night one was ayahuasca will you please introduce yourself to me that was it? And um, there was so much fear and anxiety going into that first night because I have no idea what to expect. I actually wrote a letter to myself uh, to receive when I got back that night before I left just saying like, no matter what happens, you fucking answer the call. This is being heroic. You're showing up to your life. I'm so proud of you. I love you. I'll see you afterwards. Um, and the first night ended up being super chill. Like I felt like a mild mushroom, stoneness in my body where you kind of feel giggly. You kind of feel drunk. And I'm just like laying there. And the two downloads I got from the first night was uh, you have to meet Ayahuasca halfway. Like you have to dance with her. She's not just going to do this for you. That was kind of the big thing I got from night one. And the only vision I got on night one was um, it felt like Ayahuasca showed me what my like inner character looks like. And it was a black dude with an Afro and glasses with like (laughs) headphones on, like journaling in his bed. Like, and I just laughed and laughed. Like, this is what you're showing me is I'm a black dude. Like Like, Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Yeah, yeah. It it actually was a lot like that vibe. Um, And I just laughed and just, I, I didn't know what to do with it. And what was interesting, man, is everyone is sharing before the first night, like what they've heard about ayahuasca. And one of the most common stories that came up is like, People that expect a lot get nothing and then get really upset. After that first night, I think only like four people had what you would call like an experience. And most people were like, I didn't feel anything. But I don't think there's so much around the psychedelic space where people aren't, they either embellish or underplay whatever the experience is to magnify the story that they want to tell about it. And all these people after that first night were saying, I didn't feel anything. I didn't feel anything. A, I didn't believe them. Like they felt something, but they were expecting fucking fireworks. And they were all getting worked up. Like they were all getting like, am I wasting my time here? Am I wasting my money? You know, Mm -hmm. is ayahuasca just bullshit? And when I get in medicine space, like the best part of me comes forward. And I just knew like, we're all gonna leave this retreat saying it was perfect. And like, we get to do it again tomorrow night. So that first night was really, relaxing. I felt like ayahuasca gave me like a kiss on the cheek. She, she didn't start talking to me or do anything else. She was just, a, you know, a nice soft peck on the cheek. Night two is what completely transformed how I see the world forever. Um, Yeah. So uh, we get in our beds, it's 8 PM. Everyone comes up for their first cup. And what they do is everyone comes up and drinks and then they blow out all the candle lights. It's pitch dark and it's quiet for like 20 minutes. And then you hear the maestra and the maestro slowly start to sing. And um, in this lineage of shamanism, they're they're what the doctor uses a scalpel for, these shamans use song to like completely structure and move energy in the space. And it's unlike anything that like, I can intellectualize it all day. Like, yeah, music is powerful, but like when you're on the medicine and they start singing, it's it's like you feel the world come alive and it's complete darkness and you just hear them. They start singing and it's almost like a whisper and then it grows and it grows and it grows and it grows. And you're just like, oh my God. And that's like the opening song that they do. And then, it, and then it's quiet again. And then after about 10 or 20 minutes, the two shamans, part to opposite sides of the maloka because it's a circle and they sing to everybody one by one in this um clock-like way where after about two to three hours everyone is sung to one by one by each shaman and the male shaman because of where my bed was started at my bed each night so he comes and he sings I sit up it's amazing I feel like the ayahuasca starting to come on and my first major vision so I drink a full cup that night uh was it's like I melted into the earth and I was in this like underground cavern and it was like caves and the cave ceilings were like a hundred feet high. And I saw this like 16th century oceanic ship start to like move out of the opening of this cave. And it was made completely of bones. And I'm just looking at it and like I'm like, I have no idea what this means, but this is really fucking cool. Like, this is what I I came here for. (laughs) And then what was weird is it evaporated. I was back in the room and I felt sober and it it had only been like half an hour. Mm. And I was like, weird. And then for the next 20 minutes was my first real test. And it was basically, do I ask for another cup? And your voice was in my head, like, cause your advice was always get a second cup, brother. (laughs) And when I was in that space, for like 20 minutes i was like am i being greedy am i not accepting what is and i'm trying to make it more um but what i realized is no i'm afraid and because i'm afraid i have to do this and so the way you ask for an extra drink is you turn on your headlamp and it's like a red light and the male facilitator that i felt a bond with when i first met him he, he actually gave me young don howard vibes uh he he walked up to me was it matt todd I'm not I'm sure if not you sure. met. Yeah, I, yeah think I, you I think he said that he came after you came. And he walked up to me. Like, I could see him in the darkness. And when you're on ayahuasca, all of the people who are helping in the middle look like aliens. Like, they're tall and slender. And I don't know, it's weird. So he, he walked over all quick, kneeled, and said, I've been waiting for you. Come with me. Because <laughs> <laughs> he too is dropped in. Tuned in. Because you could turn on your light to ask for help to go to the bathroom or to ask for more. He didn't have to ask. He just fucking knew. And he said, come with me. And it felt like the fucking Matrix. It felt like he was the fucking Morpheus. And I was like, all right, here we go. (laughs) So I go up to the middle and he goes to pour me a cup and he whispers, did she come and then leave? And I was like, yeah, that's exactly what happened. And he has this soft smile. And he's like, she does that sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) And so he pours a cup and he pours it like, three fourths of the way full. And he asked me, is that good? And I said, that's more than I was going to ask for, but this is perfect. And each night that I drank, I said this prayer to the cup and I said, "Um, heal what needs to be healed, reveal what needs to be revealed and love what needs to be loved. And then I drank it. And then I went back to my bed and I laid down for like 20 minutes. And my intention that night was, what is the nature of the human psyche? Like, I, I came with the questions, dude. <laughs> <laughs> and after about 20 minutes, it's weird how this is an experience I never felt before, but the moment I felt it, I knew it. I knew ayahuasca was in my space. Like, I knew. And so then I asked her, What is the nature of the human psyche? And she said, Instantly, what makes you think it's human? And then I kind of waited because I thought that she was going to talk more, but she didn't. And then I realized the lesson from the first night I have to meet her halfway. So I said, uh, what is the psyche? Instantly, she says, the totality of possible experiences. And I was like, whoa, is there a difference between my psyche, a human psyche, and your psyche, a plant teacher psyche? And instantly she said, "Uh, same in totality, different in particulars. And I was like, huh. And then I said, is there something about the psyche that you can teach me that I don't know? And she said, what I can teach you, I can't tell you, but I can show you. And then I fucking blasted off (laughs) and blasted off. And uh, to give context for the next four hours, I was so out of the room that someone there kind of had a psychotic break and they like got up and was stomping around and laughing and making all these noises. And there was a big commotion. I perceived none of it. That's how out of the room that I was, but The first thing she showed me in hindsight, um, it was the breaking through of a spiritual layer that I've been stuck at since I was six. And so the background here is when I was six or seven, somebody told me for the first time what heaven was. And the way that they described heaven was, if you do everything right, you go to this place where you and everyone you've ever loved will be completely happy forever and I know that they told me this and they thought that it would soothe me, but I remember, man, uh, for for about two weeks after I was told that, every night, I basically had like a waking nightmare where I would try to imagine like what forever meant. And it would create the most despondent, hopeless, sad feeling that I had known as a child. And I was like, If I do everything right, I have to go somewhere and I'm never allowed to leave and I have to be there forever. And it haunted me, man. Like I would cry at night and it was the saddest, most, like it fucked me up. And then I would pray to the God that I knew was destining me to this to help me forget it so I could fall asleep. And after like 10 or 12 days, it just kind of like went away into the background of my mind. And going to Peru last year to do Huachuma and Vilca and preparing for that, I had this realization that my entire adolescent and early adulthood raging atheism was me running away from that feeling. Like I I so did not want that to be true, that all of the Hitchens and Richard Dawkins reading and Sam Harris regurgitation was me running from that feeling of eternity. And when I did Vilca, in Peru, it fucking smashed me into that place of eternity. Like, look at this. And I was so sick that day. Like, I was so sick that
1: No, you were fucked up. Yeah, you had
0: antibiotics right before the trip. And yeah. Amazon is ruthless. Destroyed. Yeah. And that that experience was basically just it crushed me for an hour. I I took almost nothing back. Like I got back to that feeling of eternity and was just decimated by it. Um the very first thing ayahuasca took me to was back to that place and um i was in such a better place physically and i'd actually like i think this is why my week unfolded as perfectly as it did i read the chapter from letting go by uh david hawkins about surrender because the person i was staying with she was nervous and so i read that chapter out loud to her And there was something about reading it out loud that really cemented it in me So, when I got back to that place, I found myself repeating love, love. But the feeling was surrender, surrender. And the vision I saw was kind of an Alex Gray esque, like infinity sphere that was more than three dimensional, that felt like it was everything. It felt like it took me back to Vilka, but where my Vilka experience was just this like black mesh of everything that just felt hopeless and eternal and without form. This had beautiful lights and like, it felt like it had the divine and the chaos together, but it felt like God. It felt like eternity. It felt like forever and always and undying and will always be. And I could feel my ego and my ego felt that feeling I felt when I was six and felt that feeling I felt when I was in Vilka, which was just like a despondent hopelessness that I cannot articulate, that is the depth of what I know of as suffering. But right alongside it was just this complete awe and grace and love for like, this is the truth, man. Like you were brought to this gate 22 years ago when you were six and you've been waiting outside of that gate, reading philosophy, playing basketball, sleeping with women, distracting yourself because you're afraid. Will you pass through? Like, will you walk through this gate? And it felt like I did. And it felt something like what I imagine a ship feels like when it passes through the event horizon of a black hole. Like, it felt like I was being like, smushed into the fucking bed And I was feeling both the depth of sorrow and sadness, and also this just supreme, like this is the truth. And there's something about it that is perfect. Like it is perfect. And as soon as you can accept this, we can take you to the next levels. You know, like that was kind of the feeling. And it feels like for the first time in 22 years, I was able to pass through that layer that I have been just waiting outside of reading books. And then it gave way to the most, somatically beautiful experience I've ever experienced. Um, They talk about an ayahuasca, you'll be visited by the doctors and they'll come and they'll work on your body. That's what I experienced after I passed through that God gate is what I'm calling it, is I saw this light that just my brain interpreted as this is heaven's light. And it's like, if if the spirit of MDMA was put into gloves and then God put the gloves on (laughs) and she was a master masseuse, for like half an hour, it felt like these hands were just smoothing out my body. And like, I could feel my body was moving in ways that I didn't have control over, just like opening me up. And for like 30 minutes, just these majestic God doctor hands, just smoothing out my body. And I felt like for my entire life, I've been this like animal with all tense muscles, just like, is it okay? Is it okay? Is it okay? Is it okay? And just felt like, oh. Like it fucking relaxed. It's better than any sex I've ever had and any drug I've ever done. Like the peace and the love that I felt in my body was just so supreme. And then it, it felt like once that was done, like once it did the work it needed to do, it's like my spiritual mind was put into that white room from the Matrix where you can upload anything you want, but it was like black and blue, and one by one, by name, for the next two and a half hours, I summoned to the room every family member, every childhood friend, every lover, every coworker, every person that I have an energetic bond to. I called them one by one, by name, to this room in front of me, and I said, we can heal. And I sent them the light that I felt like was put into me. and it's so weird. Like I didn't try to do this. This was just happening and I was witnessing it. And, um, you were in there, obviously Aubrey was in there. Kaylin was in there, like probably about 65 or 70 people I brought to that room and just said, we can heal. Um, a couple of interesting things happened during that experience. I tried to send it to one of my past lovers and I saw her as a closed, as a closed, um, oyster. And she was just like, "No, I'm not ready. Like, mm-hmm. I don't want to open up." And I was just like, "Okay." And then I tried to send it to one of my ex's current partners that I know fucking hates me, <laughs> and his energy was like, "No, I don't want it. No," and I was like, "Okay." I had this moment during that time where it felt i I felt like I felt the spirit of Carl Jung yeah man um i couldn't see him or hear him but it felt like he was above me and there was this moment of like i was saying to him thank you so much for the work that you've done for humanity and i'm going to do my best to carry it on i know you see me and i see you thank you and it's just this beautiful moment and um in hindsight it felt like i was both simultaneously like cleaning all the neuronal connections in my mind of of all these relationships, just completely cleaning the cord of like, my relationship to you is to show you that we can heal together, period. Um, But it also felt like if the universe is one interconnected energetic field, that was like stringing a cord that was sending a ripple into their life of like, we will introduce into your life a synchronicity that will help you come to healing. Like that's what it felt like. Mm. And- What's crazy, man, is the very last thing I saw that night was on it as an entity. And it was this huge four-legged beast, like 100 feet tall. And it felt like Aubrey's son. It felt powerful and it felt good. But on its left shoulder was like a factory. And coming out of the factory was smoke and fire and felt like that part of it was sick. Mm. And I was trying to send light to it. And then the facilitators clapped their hands and said, okay, beautiful people, the ceremony is closed. And I instantly came out of the vision before the light got to on it and i'm just in the room still supremely in the medicine but no longer having visions and the Maloka was dark i could tell like it took me like half an hour to just like sit up and like everyone was gone except for um the person that uh laid next to me and her partner and i was like you know i want to get up and walk outside but I was like, I was having open eye energetic visuals with everything. So I tried to smoke a Mopacho to like ground me. And the Mopacho looked like a fucking volcano, <laughs> like in, in the pitch darkness, just this like breathing volcano. <clears throat> and I smoked it and then I walked out. And so Tara's on this little Island, you know, that's like a 90 minute ferry ride from the closest like city. And so there's like no light going on there. And when I walked out of the Maloka and I looked up at the stars, I had never seen the sky like that in my entire life. Like it felt like the sky was a blanket embedded with shimmering diamonds, like just more visceral and bright than I've ever seen in my entire life. And I was just in awe. And there's like a local gathering spot for everyone who drinks called the Star Deck, where people will go and just hang out. And I walked up there and, um, without shame for sounding prideful, I felt like for the first time in my life, I was in Christ consciousness. Like I, I barely had an understanding of what my ego was. And I just sat with people while they talked. And the only thing I would do is either listen or laugh. Like there was nothing coming out of me trying to be anything. And like, what was weird is I feel like I could see energetically what normally feels like your intuition.
1: Mm.
0: Like I could, it's hard to explain, but it feels like I could see if I needed to see what was coming up in someone's energy, I would see a symbol like on their face or around their head or something. And it felt like I saw everyone's ego. I saw all the things that ego does to either feel okay or to feel safe or to get worthiness or whatever. And I just sat there and I laughed and I was completely in the medicine until 5:30 AM. And then it's like, I told myself, okay, I'm going to bed. And some part of me knew that like that Christ consciousness wouldn't be there tomorrow, but that the memory of it would always be with me. I go to bed, wake up that next day is integration day. We share, um, and in hindsight, and I'll talk about it more like after I tell the story of the next two nights, but that night, my conception of what the world is, is completely changed. Like it will never be the same. The The boy that I was back then was like, oh, that's so sweet. You thought you got it, you know, and I still don't get it now, but there's a new layer of understanding that I didn't have before. So that was night two. Night three, um... My intention was what is the most healing story that i can share with western culture again big dramatic questions that's how i do it um we go in there that night i drink a full cup and i'm laying on the bed and just like night two i felt ayahuasca there and i asked her what is the most healing story that i can share with western culture and almost annoyed she was like it's the hero's journey you already know that next I was like, fuck, I thought this whole night would be you teaching me the story. (laughs) But the feeling was like, you know what it is. It's a part of your work outside of this to find out what that actually means, but you already know. So what's next? And it's weird. I don't remember specifically what I asked to make this happen, but it felt like the thing that she showed me that night was what it's like to be in the Tao. And so what that felt like is um, pretty early on in that third night, I got the download of, you're not gonna vomit this entire time if you stay in the Tao. And there was this feeling of like, I was sitting and it felt like I got to the very center of my being. Almost if you imagine your body as like a spectrum to left to right, and in the very middle, there's this small sliver of like stillness that if you can occupy that space, you're invincible, basically. Like spiritually, energetically invincible. And really what that means is there's nothing to get caught in you. Like energy is just gonna move through you. And what I experienced that night is as I stayed in that like small sliver in the middle, it felt like I stopped breathing. And I was just sitting there, just the most still I've ever been in my entire fucking life. And when a thought would come up or a fear Or if something happened in the room. So on night three, it was so different than night two. I was completely in the room. I was so energetically connected to everybody in the room that anything that happened, I was like, it felt like it was moving through me in the room. And like when someone would start to vomit or to cry or to like yell in pain or fear or whatever, it's like I could feel in my energetic sphere like this like dark energy coming in, and I I would feel in my stomach that you're about to throw up. But it felt like it was an invitation to a game of like, if you can stay in this center place, I felt my body, like it viscerally felt like my body ate the energy and it went into my extremities. Like I absorbed it like it was nutrients. And a part of me was like, oh, this is the game tonight. It's to basically like be this tuning fork what later felt like a tree for the entire room. And at one point I started to feel guilt about being able to like be in this place while people around me were having a really hard time. And I felt ayahuasca say to me, it's okay that you just get it. And then I felt my eyes starting to water. And then she said it again. And she said, it's okay that you just get it. And I started crying. And then she said, you just get it. And I didn't realize this until the sharing circle, the two days after that, but my entire fucking life since I have memory is I have felt guilty. I have felt guilty for um, how much grace and luck and just goodwill it seems that I've been given, especially compared to like the people I grew up with. Like I felt resentment and even hatred at times from the people closest to me for my blessings, basically. And I've been carrying this fucking backpack of guilt my entire fucking life. And it took ayahuasca saying a sentence three times, and it feels like I have put the backpack down. Now, I gotta go see my family for Christmas, so we'll see. But truly- True just Yeah. <laughs> but truly, it feels like it's put down, like, it, it's okay that my life is what it is. There was this feeling that like ayahuasca felt like God and it felt like God was like, I see you. This is, it's, it's okay that you have this because I know what you're gonna do with it, you know, was this kind of this feeling in what she was saying. And then what happened after that moment is the person directly to my right, a male, um, basically proceeded to have like the hardest experience in the Maloka that night. And he just was weeping for like two hours, just like the, a despondent, like, <laughs> for like two hours, like right next to me. And his energy reminded me so deeply of my actual half brother. Mm-hmm. Um, and it felt like you, it felt like Ayahuasca said, I've shown you this gift. Now use it. And it felt like for the rest of that night, my goal, my task was to be like a tree for this man. And like my roots were helping him digest, and my limbs were helping protect. And it felt like I was healing the bond between me and my brother. And at one point after he cried for like 45 minutes, he laid down and he started to like hyperventilate. Like <gasps> <gasps> like he had cried so much that he almost had like no energy. And it felt like ayahuasca brought my right shoulder up because he was to my right and like bring my right rib cage out. And it felt like I gave him my lung. And I just sat there almost like watching what my body was doing. And it was like, I couldn't react because i had to stay in the dao and Mm -hmm. so i i I was just witnessing like this is what this is and the two shamans uh extended the ceremony for almost an hour singing directly just to him and it felt like i was his guardian and his brother and um the night ended and i felt like i carried that feeling of being in the dao the rest of the night like i my ego was back it wasn't the Christ consciousness that felt like from night two I for sure had an ego but there was this choice of like will you stay in the doubt and again I was up to like 4am and then I chose like okay I'm going to bed and what's funny is each night when I chose I'm going to bed that's when I had a huge purge through my ass like just would go <laughs> and I would shit, and it would be like it was so weird but it felt like um I was like okay you're done now go So that was night three. Um, Night four, my intention was help bring forward my power for my highest good and the highest good for all my brothers and sisters. And I drank a full cup and proceeded to have what I truly believe is the most important night of my life. So I went and I laid down. And before I knew it, I was in this hellscape. Like it felt like I forgot I was in the room. I forgot I was a person. I was in this what felt like an infinite sea of like black and orange and red and brown like energy and it just felt like total despair confusion fear and disorientation And like i didn't even have enough of a mind to like fear it it's just it was hell and then i feel a tapping on my shoulder and it's the male facilitator asking me to sit up because the shaman's coming to sing to me and to remind people like, this is the beginning of the ceremony. Like when he starts to sing to me and I was like, oh my God, this is gonna be a fucking night. Like I asked to be shown my power, fuck. So I go and I sit up and I go to the very edge of the mat and I'm looking at the shaman and he's like a foot away from me and he starts singing and I instantly get the download. Your initiation for the night is to sit up the entire night to look directly forward where the shaman's head is at the moment, but like that spot in your field of vision, you are to not look away. You are not to lay down, go to the bathroom, purge or anything. Use the lessons that you got from the previous nights, sit here. And if you do it, you'll get your power. Like that was the feeling. It wasn't said, but it was an instant knowing. And um, to give you an idea of how hard that would be for me, Uh, I went to a durability cert for on it and I sat on the mat for two hours and I tweaked my back so badly. I left the durability certification to go home and take a bath. Like (laughs) that was the state. Like I have this story about the health of my back and being able to sit on the floor straight up is something that I just think I can't do. So, um, I get that download. I'm like, fuck, this is going to be like a five hour thing. And the shaman starts singing. And instantly, oh, to give some insight, on night three, um, I did ask the question after she told me that the most healing story was the hero's journey. Is there something about the hero's journey that I don't know that I should know? And she said something along the lines of, yes, the confrontation with the dragon is not one through fighting. It's one through surrender. Mm. I was like, okay, interesting. You know, I'll write that down. Night four, I'm looking at the shaman he starts singing and he the best way I can describe it is he turns into a dragon. Like his energy feels like he was channeling a dragon and I'm staring at him right in his third eye. And it felt like I saw an infinite tunnel of shamans behind him, like through all the lineage. Yeah. And they were all a dragon and his, his song was fire and it felt like my fucking body was melting off of my bones, but I was not looking away. Like I was looking him directly into his fucking forehead through all the shamans behind him as this fire felt like it was just destroying me. And there was this part of me that was like, I'm dying. And then there was this part of me of, I can't die. Like both of those things were happening at the same time. And Um, There's the story of the Buddha when he goes to the bow tree and sit down and begins to basically be taught enlightenment and the equivalent in their mythology of Lucifer comes to him as this huge demon God who has 10,000 soldiers around him and tries to hurl basically like fear and delusion and distraction at him and everything that comes at him, he turns into flowers. They just turn into flowers. And then after that, he brings his 10,000 daughters and they try to throw lust and desire and greed at him. And his response is to touch the earth with his two fingers to, sh- to show the earth that he is worthy of being at that spot. And the entire earth like emanates out a vibration that sends away the demon and all of his armies. It kind of felt like that. For the next five hours, it felt like um, every lustful, idea that I've um, had, every prideful dream that I've played with, every neuroticism and fear that I have, it's like I was like, will this distract you? Mm. Will this distract you? Will this distract you? And there was one moment, um, that whole night, I i fell out of the DAO once, and it felt like I was allowing myself to fantasize about the women that would wanna fuck me when they felt this power. And yep, yep.
1: He's so well going to suck his dick right
0: now. (laughs) Instantly, Uh a woman like three beds down from me vomited. And I got the instant download of she just purged your energy. Mm. You brought this energy into this space and she had to purge for you. Mm. Like that was the instant, like very clear. Like that was the one stern moment it felt like I had with Aya. And I felt shame right away. But then I, I very quickly realized shame would cause someone else to have to purge that for me. I have to get back to this spot. I know what my task is. It's to look at this spot, sit up and not flinch. That's a lesson. So that was one of the big things that happened. Um, About halfway through, like when the shaman had got about halfway through, I started to get this knowing of like, this has been done before. You have done this already. It is done. Like you still have to do the other half, but it's gonna happen. And when I got that download, um, my ego is uncomfortable admitting this, but it felt like, like I had awoken. And it felt like an energetic shockwave was sent through the energetic world. And I felt like I had this knowing of everyone I'm ever going to need to meet to fulfill my destiny, their energetic body just got a ding. And it felt like I was in the center of the universe and that my life had been born and that like it I felt so much power and then I felt my ego be like, this has gotta be the ego. (laughs) Like it was like my ego was trying to step in and say, This can't be real. And then I had probably the coolest, probably the most helpful moment of any of the nights where it felt like moonlight was starting to come in through the roof of the Maloka. And Todd, the male the male facilitator that I had had the bond with, it felt like Don Howard's spirit came into his body. And wow. they both like said to me, Everyone has the potential for this moment that you're going through. Most people will not seize it in this lifetime. So you are not special, but you are responsible now. Like, check yourself. And so it was this feeling, it really felt like Aya was basically telling me. It is your ego that wants to tell you the story that this is your ego. So you don't have to take the responsibility that comes with this. It's not, but this comes with responsibility. And then there was this really, I, I can't even describe what it felt like, but it felt like shortly after that, Lucifer walked into the, into the Maloca. And he looked like a tall, graceful, elegant, black figure And the vibe was, he was coming to look around be like, who just woke up in here? Mm. Like that was the vibe. And he kind of looked around and like, I had to look at that fixed spot. And so I saw him in my peripheral and then he left. And then by the time it was almost over and I knew I had done it, I just had to do like one more song and it was fucking here. I witnessed my mind starting to do a thing where it was like, with this power, you don't need a maloka. You don't need ritual. You don't need to follow any rules. And then I was like, oh, this is Lucifer. And there was this knowing of essentially what it felt like the last night gave me was an unwavering self-belief in my destiny. And it feels like that opened up a new layer of my shadow, which is what Lucifer represents, which is this idea of when you have that, you now have the potential for pure egoic arrogance and delusion. And now the archetype of Lucifer is with me now. Like He is the ultimate arrogance. He thinks that he can do what is for his good and be in disharmony with the rules of nature. And I had this moment when I felt that where I was like, I told Ayahuasca, like I will not succumb to this. I will be a king of the natural order. And kind of the download that I got from her was, all right, then come back in a year. Like, use what I just gave you and you have to come back in a year. And there's this really amazing story about Mesopotamian kings that I fucking love. And it's that every new year, the king has, he's ceremoniously marched out into the the town square and he has to take off all of his kingly regalia and he has to confess to the populace, all the things he did that year that were not kingly. And they will shame him for each of those things. And they might beat him too. And they might kill him if, if he was truly out of alignment with representing the God energy. But if he passes, he gets to put back on his robes and he gets to be a king again for a year. And that's what it felt like. It felt like I was like, I was really nice to you this week, but it's because you did the work to earn this. You have to come back in a year and we'll see if I treat you the same way. And that was kind of the download. And that night felt like the initiation ritual that has been waiting for me, that some part of me has known, that I've gone my whole life preparing for, and that I faced it and that I passed. And my truth is I now feel like a man. My self-conception for the last 28 years is that I've been a boy who can pretend to be a man and now it truly feels like i'm a man who has an inner boy that he needs to take care of but it feels like i've been transformed it felt like i was witnessed by a deity and put through a task and i passed the task but now the real game starts like now the real like game starts and I have to come check in every year is what it feels like the current download is. And the takeaway after I did all this journaling, because I wrote all this out like three or four times to myself, <clears throat> the big takeaway is my task for the next year is to be the Mufasa to my Simba. Like I have been shown what this King energy feels like, and now I have to use it to raise the little boy inside of me. And- <laughs> It's kind of a big thing to kind of introduce, but I think it'll be really helpful for people who are interested in integration. There's a psychological concept called internal family systems, and it's this idea that you have a bunch of characters inside of you, and most of the characters inside of you have unconsciously evolved to protect a wounded boy or a wounded girl, depending on your gender. And those characters are the reason your life is what it is. And if you want to change your life, you have to become aware of the characters, what each of their coping patterns are, and what the nature of your wounded child is. And for example, like, I feel like I have to work all the time. That's a part, that's one of my characters trying to keep my inner child from feeling guilt. All of us have our addictions to whatever they are. And all of those are characters inside of us that are trying to make that little boy or girl not feel the pain that they felt when they were a child. And the way that I view it is it's a kingdom inside of me. And I have a bunch of characters. And my big download is like, the king has come. He's young. He doesn't know how to be a king, but he's here now. He has to raise all these people. He, he has to rule fairly. And now every day when I journal, I'm basically like telling myself this myth of like what the kingdom looks like, what's going out in the courtyard, what needs to be done that day, what parts of the kingdom, like what people feel like they've been transgressed against and do I have to talk to them or help them reconcile? And um, it's completely changed the way that I see myself and my task for the year is to Mufasa, my Simba. And that basically feels like um the main takeaway from these four experiences fuck yeah brother
1: that's so beautiful yeah man yeah it's it says uh man there's so much i want to talk about there's uh there are so many parallels you know like if you go to arrowwood.org and we'll link to that in the show notes for people if they haven't checked it out before i know i've mentioned it a couple of times in the past but just briefly <clears throat> it's a drug database that has every single drug from methamphetamine to all different types of pressed ecstasy tabs and they tell you what's the what the constituents are the yeah. chemical nature that kind of stuff and then they have trip reports and and if you read the ayahuasca trip reports there's a lot of commonalities and it's not something everyone gets in their first experience or first experiences you know your first trip to the amazon or to costa rica um but you got many of them right like you saw uh, in Hinduism, what they call Indra's web of jewels, yeah, right? The interconnectedness Truly. of all things, to know that
0: everything is connected. There is no separation. What's crazy is I don't think I articulated it that well, but that is the overarching image I saw was this net.
1: Wow. Yeah. Right? And everything is conscious. Everything's alive. Everything has soul. Um, that's a big one, right? You can, I mean, Selig puts it as, Selig's guides put it as all is of or nothing is, mm-hmm. right? It's all God or nothing yep. is animism right many native cultures believe in animism that everything is animated everything is alive everything is consciousness to a certain degree and um that's a fucking massive download and then the death right as you're being burned (laughs) while you look through this you know i think aubrey talked about uh getting on a giant cobra's back and flying through a jungle uh as the cobra race this massive cobra and then all the insectoids came out and just lit him up and ate away his body his flesh, his muscles, his bones, until he was no more, but he was still there riding on the back of the cobra. That vision can come gently, or it can come (laughs) like fucking fire. Yeah, man. But to realize that, that you're not your body, that some part of you, your conscious being, is alive now and will always remain alive long after your body is transformed into something else. Because even in this plane, the world of 10,000 things, nothing dies it just changes transforms yeah the energy always moves the energy does not go anywhere it just becomes something else right another fucking huge huge (laughs) breakthrough download you know but like even talking about it now like if you haven't experienced those things the direct firsthand experience of it that's what the beauty of that medicine can be truly right and it doesn't mean that you get it on you know all in your first week like you did i have friends that I've taken, you know, to the altar who, who felt ready, of course, and didn't experience any of that, you know, for, for many, for myself personally, um, I had the death download pretty quickly in my first like three ceremonies, but the interconnectedness is something that will continue to come up for me. For sure. You know, and it had been, I think two years since I went to Sultara, uh, two years since drinking the medicine over two years and I went to Sultara. That was the very first download i got was everything is connected and you even get to witness that on a physical level right so night three when you lend your lung to the man next to you and you become the tree right you're the grounding cord for the entire room i've experienced similar things like that where at times i'll get my downloads and at other times it's like hey you're gonna hold space right now
0: right exactly
1: you know and that's that's the medicine of ayahuasca is also the medicine of the group amen
0: it felt very communal
1: it's not my ceremony, it's our ceremony. And there's been plenty of times where egoically I'm like, fuck man, this guy's (laughs) wailing next to me. I'm not going to have any visions with him losing his fucking mind. I'm not going to go deep. And if I can surrender to that and just be there for him, not only does that help calm and shift his energy or her energy and allow them to move through it, but it allows me to, to gain something from that experience, right? Like if we're that's something that gets talked about a lot uh, from Dispenza and Lipton is, you know, when they go back to people like Darwin and they talk about, it really is cooperation that gets us to move forward Amen. together. It's not competition, right? And so if I can think outside of myself as one, we are one. I am connected to all things. I am all things, yeah. right? Then that shifts the perspective of me, me, me. I want this. I want to work sure. on this too anything I'm working on will happen. If I know that, you know, I can I can set the intention of my intentions and <laughs> I can surrender, surrender to how and when, Yeah, right? It's a huge download from Dispenza. Set your intention on what you want to call into your life and surrender the how and when. Amen. And so when that stuff comes up in the ceremony, it's really important to know, hey, I'll get to me, but if I can be here for everyone and celebrate our ceremony, then I can not only will I get the things that I came here for, but I can help others do that too. Truly. So that was fucking just beyond beautiful brother.
0: Yeah, I, the person I was before I started would say he feels guilty for how good the experience was, but that's gone. And um, I truly believe that the work that I've done with Jung and with dreams and with mythology gave me the framework to understand what was happening. And it felt like if you have the framework, the energy can move to higher levels or deeper levels more quickly. And I I truly think that the reason the rest of the week unfolded the way it did is because I was able to surrender to that God experience. It really felt like I've been stuck there Hmm. for 22 years, just fucking stuck at that gate. And it feels like once I passed through that gate, the thing that allowed me to pass through that gate was just complete surrender to what is. Because like, On some level, everything that came after that God experience was such a relief that I was happy to surrender to it. Like the God experience was so hard in words I cannot describe, that to pass through that, it was like, oh, I just, I'm surrendering. Okay. And that's one of those key
1: ingredients to anything in life, right? Like you learn stuff in the medicine that extends into literally everything you do in your waking consciousness, right? But the, the sooner you get to that place, then it becomes it's almost like habit forming because you realize the medicine in surrender. Right. Right. You're like, oh, that I fucking feel this. Mm-hmm. I feel it deeply. I know it inside. And I know the result of that surrender. So anytime you're faced with that again, whether it's in the medicine or without, it's easier to just say, Oh, okay, this is out of my control. I'm just gonna surrender. And For when sure. you actually do it, you feel it, you feel the shift. It's different than conceptually saying, I give up, I surrender. It's a completely it's so different experience.
0: Different. Yeah. And that truly, like one of the most beautiful gifts, like I'm reading currently um, Hero with a Thousand Faces by Joseph Campbell, which is like the Bible to the hero's myth. And like, I've read this book before and it's like, I'm reading a different fucking book because I'm reading about these archetypical experiences. And instead of imagining what it might be based off of reading words, it's it's taking me back to my ayahuasca experience. Every fucking day I read it every day, it's taking me back to like, oh my God. I experienced that thing. And like truly, it feels like I've been initiated into a different layer of reality that I did like I could only see the shadows of through dreams. And like a part of me is like, I love ayahuasca. I want to go back. I want to go back. I want to go back. But it really feels like I have to spend a year in this world and do the work and go back. And it might not be nice. Yeah. Well, that's the download you got, right? That's something that I that I'll often bring up. The
1: Oracle in the Matrix <laughs> tells tells Neo he's not the one. Yeah. And he goes back to Morpheus, ready to tell Morpheus. And Morpheus says, I don't want to hear it. Whatever the Oracle told you is for you and you alone, right? And obviously, we're sharing our medicine here, what we've learned and gleaned in our personal experience. And there are parts that I know not to share that I won't. Yeah, and, and I didn't. exactly. And that's a great point that the facilitators bring up. You know, there's some of it's just for you. Just for you. Right? Like
0: there was, there was a very clear moment on the last night where it was like, This is not to be told this is to be embodied and let other people say it you know and you just keep that to you
1: yeah and i think with that the oracle download you know to know that whatever you're shown whether it's your protocol of when you'll come back how long you have to spend that can change over time amen right and there's been times where i've been called to the medicine egoically more often than I should have. And and then, or there's no shooting, stop shooting on yourself, Ted Decker quote. Yeah. But um, to be drawn there truly versus intellectually is a different thing. Right. And I feel like uh, the more I've come to the different tools that help me tune into that frequency of knowing and the intuition right, allows me to participate in the medicine and gain much more. And I've, I've been in a space recently where, not with ayahuasca, but with other medicines, You know, the dispensa meditation with ketamine, uh, the DMT vape pen to Don Alberto from Blue Morpho's uh, Icaros. Just fucking download after download and to be able to put those into practice and use them, that's the space that I'm in right now. And there will come a time where it is more just putting it into work and, and embodiment. But it's beautiful, you're listening, you're doing the work, you're reading, you're getting all the downloads in various ways. And the second I saw you here in the office, like it was very clear, like <laughs> the shift, you had a fucking glow and you were laughing, you're like, and it feels like I'm still in the medicine. And I was like, you are, dude, you yeah. are. And that's one of the beautiful things about that medicine is that, you know, you talked about being on the plane and watching Lion King. Another common thread people have is when you sign up mm-hmm. and that date's there and you fucking paid your way and you know you're going, the medicine starts working immediately. Amen. And you did your you met halfway by starting Dieta early. So to get those downloads all the way before the cups, your first cups been sure. had, and long after your last cup was had. Yep. Right? That's still working inside you. And I think that's I one it. of the most beautiful things about that medicine in particular.
0: It's in such a different league than everything else I've ever done. Like it's just. And I do recognize that I will be able to get to that league now that those doors have been opened with stuff like psilocybin. But the viscerality of the intelligent entity that is with you in that medicine is so denser than any other psychedelic I've ever done. Like it's so prominent and clear that there is this loving God alongside you. Just waiting for you to be brave. Like, take a step. I'm right here. I can't take the step for you. And I'll make you vomit if you don't take the step. But (laughs) take the step. And it's right there. And sometimes you just got to vomit
1: for someone else. Sometimes you got to vomit because you got something stuck in you that needs to come out. Amen. So many purges as well, even outside of vomiting.
0: I yawned a lot. Like, mm -hmm. it felt like my face was cramping from how much I was yawning. Yeah. Yeah. All then,
1: just... Fucking absolutely beautiful from top to bottom. I love you. Truly. One of my favorite people on
0: this planet. I love brother. you too, brother. Likewise, yeah. truly. Like Your example by being has been a huge teacher for me since I've started working here. And I don't think that experience would have gone that well if it weren't for people like you in my life. Thank you, brother.